I would like to welcome you to Web Church today. What an honor for me to come to you live all over the world and just bring the message of grace to you. We've been on to a gospel crusade for two and a half weeks up in Rustenburg and we just had a wonderful time, but more about that later. I first would like to welcome all the people that are watching Web Church for the very first time today. I do believe that you're going to be blessed, touched and encouraged. I want to tell you this. The grace of God is what will bring life into your life. You cannot get life by the law. You cannot have true prosperity, true peace in your heart through what you must do for God. But you need to come to the knowledge of what God has done for you. Hallelujah. So if you are a first time visitor to Web Church, I want to welcome you. I want to say relax. Enjoy the service. We're going to have some wonderful worship. I will speak a little bit about the crusade we've had. We're going to speak a little bit about finances. And um, just for your peace of mind, we are not into this tithing, sowing and reaping type of thing, seeing how much money we can get out of people. But we want to see people established into the grace of God so that what God has given them can really function in their life through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And then we're going to get right into the Word. Today is also Communion Day. Um, we were supposed to have it last Sunday, but I wasn't here, and uh, we're going to have communion today, so you can also, maybe during the worship, or while we speak about something, quickly run and go and get some grape juice and some bread, or whatever you want to use for the communion. We're going to talk about communion today. It's really going to be powerful. It's going to impact your life. Amen. I would like to read a scripture before we pray. Um, and get into worship and those type of things, from 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, let's read from chapter 4, 1 Timothy 1, verse 4, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, Neither give heed to fables or endless genealogies which ministers questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith. So what he said to them, he says, listen, there are people that comes with such a wrong teaching, such a wrong doctrine, they come to your life, they come into your life, and it's just the way life is, and it's all about this genealogies, or, and I mean, especially in these times, it was about genealogies, because the Jews were telling people, you know, let's look at the Bible, who are the real people of God, and who's God's uh, people, God's nation, and they tried to prove that it was Israel, and only Israel, and they had all these genealogies, and the whole type of thing, and um, it missed a lot of questions, but it was all about getting back under the Jewish system, the old law system. And Paul said to Timothy, don't get into these things. Now listen to what he says. Now the end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart and a good conscience and faith and friends. So what he was actually saying here is, if you really understand the law, and you can see the fulfillment of the law and why the law was given, because you must remember the law was testifying about Jesus. That's what Jesus said. He said, the law testifies about me. Moses speaks about me. So when you read the law and you don't see Jesus, but you see yourself, you're not reading the word that is written in the law. When you read the law from a perspective of what I must do for God and how holy I must become and how I'm supposed to um, be pleasing to God through what I do for God, you are not reading the message of the law. The law has got scriptures and the law has got a message. 
The message of the law is Jesus. For the Bible says that the law testifies of Jesus. Amen. So when you read the law, you need to see Jesus. If you see your sin, you're not reading the law the way you're supposed to read the law. Now, um, and let me just define this. The law, uh, the law, and you've you got the law and the commandments. Now, most of the time when uh, Paul speaks about the law, he spoke, speaks about the writings of Moses, but which we today see as the commandments. But the law... Uh, that was placed there that brought death was not just the Ten Commandments but was the ministration that says by what I do I become without the power of the Holy Spirit without the nature of God indwelling me. Amen. Right. Um, Now I know I just said a mouthful. You can go and meditate on that and that will be enough for today. Hallelujah. That is so, so powerful. It's life changing. Amen. Right. It says, neither give heed to fables or endless genealogies which ministers questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith. Now, the end of the commandment or the right interpretation of the commandment, understanding what it really says about Jesus, is love out of a pure heart and a good conscience and faith unframed. Man, isn't that so powerful? Know this. Uh, you can go and read this in John. Maybe we'll get a little, little bit into this later today. But let me just... Um, Touch on this. I can't wait to get into the Word. John chapter 6, verse, I think it's 28. Yeah, verse 28. It says, Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? So, what they are actually saying is, What is the commandment that we must do? What's the thing that we must do to work the works of God? Say this thing, the real work in the kingdom of God. Then verse 29, And Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God. Now, everybody wants to know, what is the one thing God wants you to do? Now, some people might think right now, love God or love your neighbor as yourself or something like that. But listen to this. This is the work of God that you believe on Him whom He has sent. Amen. That's God's commandment unto you. 1 John 3.23 says the same thing. This is the commandment of God that you believe on Jesus Christ. Amen. And love as He gave us commandment. How did He give us commandment? Believe on me. If you believe on me, love will flow out of your life and love will be in your heart. Amen. Now, listen to this. Now, the end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart. So, if you really get into grace, if you really get into the love of God, it's not a license unto sin. It is an empowering force getting you to love, getting you to have a, a good conscience and, to, and getting you into really believing the truth about who God is. From which some have swerved and having turned aside to vain talking, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor what they affirm. Now, that is so, so powerful. If I should sit here today and have a law message for you, I will be somebody that doesn't really understand what I'm saying. I don't understand what... If I tell you, listen man, these are the five steps to get out of your problems. Just think, right, try and walk, right, try and forgive and do 10 or 20 good things. Go to church regularly. Um, just think on good things all the time. And, you know, this normal... What we see in church these days, behavior modification teaching, motivational speaking teaching type of thing. You know what? If I might come with a perspective where I'm thinking that I'm going to help people, but I'm not actually knowing what I'm saying. If I should be 
Now that is, if I should be somebody that comes from that perspective, but I don't come from that perspective today. We come from the perspective of God's knowledge about you. We come from the perspective of what God has already done for you. Amen. He says, they don't know what they say and they don't know what they affirm. So many people out there, so many preachers out there, so many Christians out there are studying the Word, buying books, getting into what I must do for God, and they don't know what they are affirming in their life. And what they're affirming is death. They are just empowering death more and more into, your, into their lives. And if you are one of those people that might say, Bert, you know, I've been serving God for so long, I've been going to church, I've been reading my Bible, I've been looking at, at church, I've been listening to messages, but my life seems to be, everything is just going uh, from bad to worse. I've got good news for you. You can come to Jesus that doesn't want to put laws and regulations upon you, but that puts God's nature inside you, and you function from the perspective of God working through you and not your own power. Man, that is so, so powerful. Now, that was just an introduction. Let us pray together. Then I'm going to speak a little bit about worship. We're going to uh, worship after worship, speak a little bit about finances, and then get right into the Word. Amen. Father, I thank You for every person that is watching me today. I thank You, my God, that You love them, that You care for them, that Your love flows through them. I thank You they can feel loved and touched by You today. That they can feel that I am special to God. God is close to me. God loves me because of the cross of Jesus Christ, the center of everything. Holy Spirit, speak through me today. Thank You that You touch the lives of so many thousands of people today. I thank You this message will go all over the world. It will go into the archive. From that archive it will be read by thousands, seen by thousands, and they, they will experience Your peace. Thank You, my Father. Thank You that You work through me, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the greatest desire in man is to be like God. Now you might say, how can we want to desire, how, do we, how can we want to be like God? Um, man, that's part of everybody. We want to be in the likeness of God. David said, um, or the, 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 the person who wrote the proverb, I think it can be Solomon, he said in Proverbs 17, I think it's 17, the last verse, he said, um, I behold your glory um, in righteousness and I will only be satisfied when I awake with your glory. Amen. And that is God, a man's desire. Man craves the love of God. Man is craving to be touched by God. Man wants to be holy. Man wants to be righteous. Man wants to stand for that is, which is right in his de- innermost, deepest part. He wants that. And, um, and that is a pure motive. You want that which is good. But what Paul said, he said so clearly, that which, the way I thought that was good, I found to be unto death. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says that there's a way that, that, that looks good, but it leads to death, um, and then there's the right way. There's a way that seems right unto man, but leads unto death. And so many times we thought that we can use that scripture with people that drink, people that do things wrong, tell them, you know, you think this way is right. And let me tell you, somebody who's an alcoholic, somebody who drinks every day, somebody who beats his wife, doesn't think that's right. There's something in his heart that says it's wrong. But somebody who comes every day and says, I'm going to be justified by what I do. 
I'm going to be righteous by what I do. I'm going to please God by trying to obey scriptures and commandments from the Bible. Let me tell you something. If you don't define those commandments as simply believing in Jesus, but many things to do like tithing and sowing and reaping, fasting to get God to do something, praying to get a breakthrough, walking around the town to get a breakthrough in prayer and all those type of things. And I'm not saying this condemningly. I'm saying this to help people. Um, I'm not saying this to break you down. You might be part of that. You might be in something like that. But let me tell you, there is great peace on the other side of this message. There's great peace as this can enter into your heart and you can experience that unconditional love of God that He has got for you. If, if, that's, if that's your perspective, the perspective of the law, let me tell you, you're not going to find life. You're going to experience death. It's a way that looks right, but the end of it is death. And that's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 7. The, the, the ministration of death was written and engraved on stones, and that is the law. It, it, it looks right. The law says, honor your father and mother and you'll have a long life. Deuteronomy, when it speaks, it speaks about the law of Moses and, and the writings of Moses, the commandments of Moses, if you obey the Lord your God, do all these things right, then the Lord God will bless you with this and that and who knows what. And if you don't obey, then these curses shall come upon you. Um, and we think that we're going to obey God, do all those things right, and, and then God's going to bless us. Let me tell you, it is not your sin that makes you a sinner. It is not your sin that made you a sinner. And it's not your good works that makes you righteous. It was not your sin that made you a sinner. It was the sin of Adam that made you a sinner. And because you were a sinner, because of the sin of Adam, therefore sin started to manifest in your life. You didn't sin and then you were named a sinner. Adam sinned. You were made a sinner by Adam's sin and because you were a sinner, therefore you sinned. In the same way it works in the New Testament, in the Gospel of Jesus. If it was not your sin that makes you a sinner, it's also not your good works that makes you a righteous man. Man, that is so, so powerful and profound. Listen to this and I want to say it again. It's not your sin that makes you a sinner. And it's not your good works... If, it was, if your bad works didn't make you a sinner, then your good works cannot make you righteous. Thank God for that. So the good works of Jesus is what makes you righteous. If you can simply believe it, you can be the recipient of that and you can experience that for yourself. Hallelujah. So let's not be in the law for we don't know what we say or what we affirm. Um, we think we are saying something good, but it's not really that good. Hallelujah. When we awake, we will awake with the righteousness of God one day. We will see that the Lord Jesus Christ, um, and when I'm talking about righteousness of God one day, I'm talking about glorified bodies. I'm talking about immortality. One day, the Lord will return. You will have full righteousness in your physical body. Right now, you've got full righteousness in your spirit. It's like I said to somebody last, um, last night, I said, you know, if I take a wheelbarrow and I, I, I fill it up with gold, it is not a golden wheelbarrow. It's a wheelbarrow full of gold. And we've got gold inside of us. But we've also still got a normal human body that's subject to death. We can still die. And so many people don't want to, these days, there's a new type of doctrine that says, that's not the true, we've got immortal bodies and, and that already. 
it is not true. And I thank God that I can walk in the reality of, of God about me. In the resurrection of Jesus, we will be glorified in our physical bodies. That means when He returns, that resurrection power, which is already in us, will take our mortal bodies, glorify it, and then we will be immortal, living forever with God. Amen. At the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, reigning and ruling with Jesus on this planet. Now, I don't want to get too deep into all these theological type of things, and uh, they can might just minister um, questions, but I just want to say this, if you can know that you've still got a normal human flesh with inabilities, you can also know that if you make a mistake, that um, it is normal. Now, you might say, Bertie, but how can you say that? That's giving people a license to sin. The reality is people sin every day. Because we've got normal human flesh, we can't remember all the scriptures. We can't remember everything God has said to us. We can't remember all the wonderful things we've seen in the Word of God. Today, I I get a teaching of how righteous I am. I see the glory of God. I, I thank God for that. Tomorrow, I've forgotten that because I've replaced my mind with something new. Another thing in the scripture, even maybe. You know, and we, we don't get it all together at once. But I do believe that when Jesus comes, it will be like that. But God is tolerant. God is, um, He loves us. He cares for us. He's not just keeping up with us. He loves us from the depths of His being. So I want to say this. God loves you, not for what you can do for Him, or because you can live holy for Him. He loves you because of who He is. He loves you because of who He is. One thing we must know is, if we hear wrong things about God, we will believe wrong things about God. And if we believe wrong things about God, that will rob you from what God has freely given you. Because through acknowledging and knowing what God has done for us and believing that, we manifest and we see all the good things manifest in our lives. Hallelujah, man. Isn't that awesome? Now, when it comes to finances, man, it is so simple. Let me read you a scripture on finances in Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. And um, we're going to read verse 22. It says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and He adds no sorrow with it. Now, the Afrikaans says it's a bit more powerful. It says, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and it doesn't add hard work to it. Man, that is so powerful. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. Now, what is the blessing of the Lord? Jesus is the blessing. The blessing of God is the good thing spoken by God. Now, what's the good thing that God spoke over your financial situation? The good thing that God spoke over your your financial situation is that you are not prosperous by what you do for God, but you are prosperous through what Jesus Christ has done for you. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have to work. You go to work, many people work, but the one guy works himself half to death and he doesn't prosper. And another guy does a small thing and he prospers, but he's still working. So, work is something that God uses... To bless you, it's the bucket you put before God that says, God, this is the bucket that I have. Pour out your blessings in this bucket. Now, 
the bucket that you might have is you may, might be an engineer, you might be a, um, working at a petrol station, you might be working behind a till, you might be an accountant, whatever job you do, that's the bucket you have. But the blessing of the Lord is what's going to make rich. It's not your job that's going to make you rich. There are many people today, they work, at, man, they've got wonderful jobs, a lot of money, but they're not rich. They're always in debt, always in need, never having. But the truth is, the blessing of God makes rich. Hallelujah. What's the blessing of God? Jesus Christ was rich. He became poor so that you through His poverty might be made rich. Amen. Hallelujah. That is so powerful. Now, I just wanted to mention this because there are so many people in the world that is so caught up with finances, so scared that God's not going to provide for. We don't, don't know the truth. So, I want to tell you this. Don't try and work harder for your money. Just be smarter by believing in what Jesus has done for you. And just through that, you'll experience the power of God, His grace, His ability, coming into your situation financially and bring, bringing that change that Jesus brought upon the cross into your life. Hallelujah. I also want to give people an opportunity right now to give towards Dynamic Love Ministries. If you want to give towards this ministry, there is a button on the top of the screen that says Donate. And you can donate as you feel in your heart. There's no obligation, even if you're a member of Dynamic Web Church, uh, you're not a member because you tithe. You know, I've heard of people that say uh, you can't become members of the church if you, if you don't pay a tithe, and if the tithe doesn't go off by debit order. Now, with us, it doesn't work that way. If you have got a willing heart, and you feel the Dynamic Web Church has meant something to you, and this website's meant something to you, and God has used this in your life, and you want to give towards this ministry, you are more than welcome to do that. And if you don't want to give, you are more than welcome not to do that. For the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow unto it. Amen. You don't have to come to a place where you feel, I feel so sorrowful not to give. Go to God. Say to God, God, I don't want to give, but I, want, I know it's the right thing to do, but I don't want to. And you'll find as you go, just get deeper into the grace of God, that there's a power that drives you to do that. We use that money simply to preach the gospel. That's it. So, hallelujah. If you can make use of that, and um, I, I thank everybody that has done that, Thank you so much. You make your donation with a credit card. It goes right into our account straight away and we can use that money for crusades. Now, the vision that we have for the next two weeks is um, we're having a crusade in a, a small town called Kolbaskral. Now, I almost said that wrong. In Kolbaskral, it's about, um, I guess, about 20, 25 k's from Malmesbury and it's a very small town. Uh, you can... on. On googleearth.com, you can just uh, Google Earth the program, open it up. You can go to type in South Africa, Kalbaskral. It will bring it up for you. You can see it's a small town where we're going to preach. It's got about 150 to 170 houses. So, uh, it's just a few people living there. And I think because there's just a few people living here, not many people go out there and preach the gospel. There's a great, great, great alcohol problem in that area. And we're going to minister the gospel there. We've already got the permissions. Monday morning, that's tomorrow morning, at 7 o'clock, we will already be putting in the first pegs of that tent. Amen. And we will have a daily update on the website of what has happened in that crusade. So, um, just look under crusade report. You will, under crusade report, you will see 
our new crusade that, or the, the latest crusade that we've done. You'll see a couple of pictures there, um, but you'll have a more in-depth uh, report in the newsletter. We're also busy writing the newsletter, I believe, in this week to come. That will also be on the website and uh, a daily update on what's happening in the crusade. So, unfortunately, we don't have 3G or uh, broadband internet in that area, so we cannot broadcast live from that area. But I'm sure it's going to happen uh, that we can broadcast from Malmesbury. We will just going to have to test the s- signal. If there's a signal, we will be able to do some live broadcasts for you guys so that you can see how the miracles happen, how God touches the lives of people. And if we can't do it live the next day, it will be updated just in short, something short, one or two miracles and where I just say something about the crusade. Man, isn't that awesome? I want to thank you that you are part of this church and that your heart is in this. Thank you that you pray for us from all over the world. I'm just right now thinking of the people up in Russia. Man, God bless you. Thank you that you're part of this um, and that you are praying for us. Everybody, just pray. Just speak that grace of God over us. Like Paul said, pray for us that we will be delivered from wicked and unreasonable men and that we can take this gospel in power with signs and wonders. Just speak that. Talk to God about that. If you ever get a dream or a vision or, or you know for sure that God has spoken to you, you are more than welcome to email it to us. We would love to hear from you. Remember, Dynamic Web Church is a family church. You are part of this church and that is what God has got for you. You can be involved. Amen. Well, we're going to go over into worship. I want to just say this thing about worship. You don't even have to sing. You can just listen to the words and let that come into your heart. The word worship, one of the words for worship anyway, in the New Testament is the word proskuneo, which means to lick the hand of the master like a dog, like a dog licking the hand of a master. And this is just a little bit of typology which blessed me. When a dog licks the hand of a master, he's taking the hand of the master and putting it on his tongue. So, worship to me is taking the work of Jesus and putting it on our tongue. Amen. Saying the work of Jesus. And what I've done right now, I've been worshipping God. Just by sharing this with you. Uh, We've been putting the word of Jesus on our tongue. Now, if you want to do that, the music that we chose is 100% grace-based. So you can put those words with the greatest comfort on your tongue and just sing it to God. Close your eyes, hear the music, experience the presence of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now remember, before we go into the worship, today's communion. Get that stuff ready quickly and, um, and uh, enjoy the worship with us. And then we're going to get right into the Word of God. Well, wasn't that awesome? Just to think that Jesus is our friend forevermore and not Moses. Imagine Moses was your friend forevermore. You would have been in trouble all the time. But now Jesus is our friend. He was the one that was willing to give His life and lay down His life for us. You know, if we can come to a point where we can realize that the gospel is all about Jesus and not all about what we must do for God, we will enter into such a peace that cannot be described in human words. It's peace above your understanding. It's a peace that says, even if my understanding says that I'm not supposed to have peace right now, I will have peace in my heart because of what Jesus has done. Today we're going to talk a little bit about the old man and the flesh and what it is to be in the flesh and what does the old man really talk about. 
and uh, this whole thing about the old man. So many times we say, you know, the old man has jumped up and um, when we do something wrong and uh, we don't really understand what the old man is. And I think if we can get to a place where we can understand what the old man really is, we can also have the resurrection life or the righteousness of God that is given to us right now in this world and we can experience that. And that's what Paul said. So we're going to go to Romans chapter 6 and we're going to read from verse 1 and I'm just going to take it verse by verse and we'll see where we stop today. And um, just after the message, remember, we're going to have communion together. Right, Romans 6 verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now listen to what Paul says. Paul does not use, um, the, the argument about sin that he uses is not, no, we will continue to do good. That's not what he says. He doesn't say, uh, the question is, shall we then continue in sin that grace may abound? Then he says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? He's actually confronting sin with a new person that's living and an old person that has died. Somebody that is dead cannot walk in sin. But so many times we think that the old person is the man that sinned and was drinking and that was having wrong thoughts and that was stealing and lying. We thought that so many times we think that is the old man. That's not the old man. That is the manifestation of the sins of the old man. The old man is something completely different than the one who committed sins. The sins is a fruit of the old man. Right, now, he says here, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Now, for us to understand what it means when Paul wrote uh, Romans chapter 6 verse 1, we have to go to Romans chapter 5. And just go down from verse 19, read 19, 20, and uh, 21, and we'll understand what Paul says. Because so many times that scripture is used out of context, trying to re-implement the law. Because we get people that preach, like myself, saying that the law has been fulfilled, and holiness is not by the law anymore, and we don't need the law anymore. Um, those that are in Christ, we don't need the law anymore. That's what the Bible says. It says the law is for the lawless and not for a righteous man. And we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, the law is not for us. The law is not for a righteous man. The Ten Commandments right now is not for Jesus. Why would you come with laws and rules and regulations to Jesus? Because He is holy. He is righteous. I mean, He is the Son of God with all authority, having a resurrected immortal body, the only immortal seated at the right hand of the Father. Why will you come with... You know, Jesus, you must now obey your father and your mother. Well, Jesus, uh, if you look lustfully at a woman, you know it is wrong. You're not allowed to desire your neighbor's wife. You're not allowed to do this. Why would you come to him with something like that? It's an absolute waste of time because he is righteous. In this, it's the same with us. His righteousness has been imputed to us. Therefore, the law is not for us. It's not for Christians. Now, it might be shocking to you if you're watching this for the first time, but I want you to listen to this because this is going to set your mind free. And when your mind is set free, according to one of the scriptures we're going to read, you're going to find that the righteousness of God starts to manifest in your life. 
you'll experience the righteousness of God. The righteousness of Jesus is imputed unto you. You believe it. It is um, manifested in your life and you'll experience justification or a manifestation of that righteousness which is good works. A manifestation of that righteousness which is the person many people try to be by using their willpower. Remember this, what, uh, what, what Paul said here. He says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall they that are dead to sin live any longer therein? If God lives in you, it means God forbids the sin and you are not the one that's forbidding the sin. So many times we've been thinking that we must forbid sin in our lives. We get the law so that we can know what is sin and then we must forbid sin in our life or stop sin in our life by just saying, I will not do it and I'm going to live a holy and righteous life. One thing you must know before we get into this verse here is this. Repentance from your sins does not save you. Now I want to say it again. Repentance from your sins does not save you. If you've repented from your sins and you think that's going to save you, let me tell you this. You will only be a person with a good conduct in this life that's going to go to hell. That's all. (coughs) Excuse me. If you think that repentance from your sins is going to save you, you're going to have a hell of a surprise. Because repentance from your sins does not save you. What saves you is Jesus Christ. The Bible says we have been saved by His blood. We are saved by the grace of God through faith. We are not saved by living right. We are not saved by doing right. We are saved by Jesus and doing right and living right is just a fruit of salvation. But that is not what we need to have in our lives in order to be saved. You can just forget about it if you think that you're going to be saved by repentance from your sins. That's what the law called out all the time. It says, repent from your sins, repent from your sins, repent from your sins. And people would repent, even with John the Baptist. They repented um, expecting the Messiah. But let me tell you, that repentance wouldn't save them. If that repentance could save them, it wasn't needed for Jesus to die upon the cross. They repented from their sins and were even baptized in a river. I mean, they were literally pushed under the water like most of the charismatic and Pentecostal churches, the way they baptized people, repenting from their sins, but they were still not saved. What saves you is the grace of God, and the grace of God is that which Jesus Christ has done for you, and when you believe it, That grace is activated in your life today. Hallelujah. Now, I don't want to sound harsh, but I want to say this, and I want want you to know this. Um, If you don't believe, you are already condemned. Even if you do good works. If you don't believe, what should we believe? What Jesus has done for us. If we don't have faith in what He's done for us, knowing what He's done upon the cross, we are already condemned. So it's not a matter of, I will be condemned one day. You are already condemned and you will just then die and enter into the fullness of your condemnation. It's the same with Christianity if you believe. We are already made righteous. And if we should die now, 
we should enter into the fullness of our righteousness, which is also a glorified body, being with the Lord. And then the Lord Jesus Christ will return with those saints that has died, and then everybody on the earth will be changed into the very same image um, of Jesus, because they will see Jesus as He is. And then we will reign with Jesus on this earth, which would be made new. Amen. Well, <laughs> that was just in short what Jesus has come to do for us. When we believe that, in short, let me tell you, you are made the righteousness of God and you can have the peace of Jesus. Hallelujah. But repentance from sins does not save you. If you think stopping your uh, smoking habit or your drinking habit or your pornography habit or whatever habit you have, if you think stopping that habit is going to save you, I, you are just deceived. It cannot save you. What saves you is Jesus and what He's done for you. Jesus, the first words He, repent, uh, he preached was, Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now that word repent is the Greek word metanoia, which means change your mind. Change your mind for there's a new kingdom at hand. And I want to explain it this way. Um, in 94, I think it was in 94, we had our major elections and then the ANC Basically, they won the elections and took over the country. Now, before that was the apartheid era. Now, under the apartheid era, there was a certain mindset that people could have because of the rulers that was ruling this country. You will not find a, a black person in, uh, in the white community in the schools there. You will not find that, ch that child there because there's a school for blacks and there's a school for whites. The whites cannot go to the black school and the people in the, uh, in the black area cannot come to the white area and have to put their children in that school. doesn't matter what the quality of the schools are. doesn't matter. That's the way it's going to be. You're not going to find black people living in the white areas at all. You can't buy a house there. Even if you've got the money, you can't buy a house there. And then in the 70s it was so bad that at, I think it's 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock at night, all the blacks had to be at home. You can't be in the street. You must be at home. Especially not in the white areas. I mean, you will be locked up um, if you were a black person and you uh, went to, into the white areas. I mean, it was terrible. Now, when the ANC took over um, and uh, I could preach the following message, I could say, repent, change your mind, for there's a new kingdom at hand now. There's a new rulership now. You can change your mind. You can change your mind about schools. You can change your mind about where you stay. You can change your mind about who's running the country. You can change your whole mind about apartheid and all those type of laws. All those old laws has fallen away because there's a new kingdom. And that was what Jesus was preaching. He was saying, repent. Change your mind. There's a different set of rules. It's not the old rule of commandments and if you don't obey, you're going to be punished and all that. There's a new rule. There's a new law. It's called the law of life in Christ Jesus that if I should believe in Jesus, then I shall have life. And that has set me free from the old law. So, to repent means to change your mind and focus your mind on the new kingdom and the new king and find out what is his salvation plan, what is his protection plan, what is his plan of provision for you and not the old one. Man, isn't that just a wonderful example? I was preaching down in, um, or yeah, up in, not down in, when we stayed up in Johannesburg, we said down in Rustenburg, but now it's up in Rustenburg because we're down in Cape Town. Amen. So, we were up in Rustenburg and we preached, um, I preached, and while I was preaching, I tried to explain to the people, this thing came to my mind while I was preaching. Man, I was so blessed by that. 
um, because it really just explains repentance. So know this, repenting from your sins or stopping your sin does not save you. You need to repent in your mind and get a new mindset and believe on Jesus and then you shall be saved by the grace of God. Hallelujah. So what he says here, he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Now how do we continue in sin? Uh, let's read verse 19, 519. It says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense or sin might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now let's go to verse 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? Now listen to what it says in verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded. So, how do we continue in sin? We continue in the law. That's how you continue in sin. For if you get into grace, you are set free from sin. For you are not under the law. And sin has got no more dominion over you. So, this is what Paul is saying. Shall we now continue in this law that grace may abound? For God gave the law... And the law just made people exceedingly sinful. And it doesn't matter how great their sins were. Grace was much greater than sin. Now, Paul says, shall we now continue in sin? How do we continue in sin? By continuing in the law. So that grace may abound even more. He says, no. When you get into grace, you are set free from the old man. You are set free from the law system and you get into a new system, and God lives in you, God lives through you, and then God in you forbids that sinning. Hallelujah, man. Isn't that so, so powerful? <clears throat> so, uh, to put in easy words, don't try to stop the sin. Believe in Jesus. Hallelujah. Then God will indwell you. His Spirit in you will give you the ability and the power and the, uh, um, everything you need, man, it will change your mind. You will not think of those wrong things to try and do it. Now, uh, I don't want to preach about not doing wrong things and all of that. I just want to preach about the power of God and what the, the, the sinful or the fleshly man is. Now, verse 3. Know you not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death. Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that the old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now, man, that verse 6 is so, so powerful. It says that the old man, (coughs) excuse me, the old man has been crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. So, sin is destroyed by the old man being crucified upon the cross. Now, when we, uh, when Jesus died and we were baptized, when you were baptized, when you started to believe on Jesus Christ, you were in the same death that He died. And Jesus Christ, when He died, He took the Ten Commandments 
in His body and He came as somebody who had to serve the law. He came as a law man, as the old man, the man that has to serve the law. And He died as that man that had to serve the law. And when the old man, the man that had to serve the law in order to be pleasing to God, died and you were in him, you as a man trying to please God by what you do has died. That's the old man. And we always think the old man is the one that, you know, is sin. Sin is not the old man. That's the fruit of the old man. That's the manifestation of the old man. So, let's read this again. From that perspective, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Shall we continue in the law? No. God will forbid sin in us, for um, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Now remember Romans chapter 7, we'll get into that next Sunday and the Sunday after that. Um, It says that when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So what does Paul say? He says, How shall we that are dead to sin, or how shall we that are not under the law and commandments, but believing in Jesus, continue in sin? So Paul was not trying to stop to sin. He was experiencing the new life of God living in him. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. So, there's a way in which God tells us that we should walk in newness of life. How should we walk in newness of life? By being raised up by the glory of God. Now, the glory of God speaks of two things. There's an end time glory and then there's a glory that is in us right now. And like I said in the, um, in the beginning, and I want you to understand this, um, if I take a wheelbarrow and I fill it up with gold, it's not a golden wheelbarrow. It is a wheelbarrow carrying gold, or that's got gold inside us. We've got, we are earthen vessels, but we've got the gold inside us, the glory of God inside us. And as we look into the glory of God, we are changed in our lives into the very same image, or in this Um, explanation, then as we look into the gold, we are turned into gold. God changes our lives. First it will start with sickness, disease, change of mind, peace, joy, righteousness, all those types of things. You start to have wisdom. And then the last thing that will be conquered as we look into this gold or this glory of God is death. And that is also at the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, what he says here, he says that we should walk in units of life How? By the glory of God. Not by Moses, by the glory. And what is the glory of God? The glory of God is the goodness of God. What was the goodness of God? The goodness of God was God giving His Son so that His Son could die on our behalf, that He does not impute our trespasses to us, that He treats us better than what we deserve, that He is long-suffering, kind, abundant in goodness and truth, um, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin, that He will by no means pass over one guilty person, but He will be merciful to all people. Amen. That is the goodness of God. And out of that, that's the glory of God. And when we are, um, I want to just use this word, caught up in that goodness of God, we will find newness of life. 
Hallelujah. It is worlds apart from trying to be good. It is worlds apart from trying to uh, get God to do something for you. It is a complete new way of thinking. Verse 5, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death. In other words, and I want to use this, if the old man has died, if the law man has died, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. I want to just repeat this, for this is very important to understand. Jesus was a man born under the law. Okay? To obey the law. He didn't come to break the law, but to do the law as a law man. For if Jesus was not under the law, He could not bring salvation to us. For what was implemented between God and man was a law system. You had to obey rules and regulations in order to be righteous. Jesus came and by faith in the Father, He lived under the law and obeyed all the laws and all the commandments and were found sinless. Hallelujah. According to the Spirit of Holiness. And when He was found sinless... According to the law, he went to the cross. On the cross, he took, took the punishment of the sins from Adam to us in his body and the consequences of sin, which was sickness, disease, poverty and <coughs> what, what have you, came into his body. And when he died, that law man died. The man that had to obey laws to, um, to be righteous before God died. And was buried. And that lawman was not resurrected. Jesus was resurrected in newness of life, the Bible says. And he was righteous because of God indwelling him, because of the resurrection power inside him. He was raised up by the glory of God. So, when the old man died, the lawman died, he was not raised up by Moses. He was not raised up by the Ten Commandments. He was raised up by the Spirit. So, when Jesus stood up out of the grave, He stood up and He was alive because of the Spirit of God that indwelled Him. He was not alive because He obeyed the commandments. Now it says, if we are in His death, what does that mean? If we can say, I believe that One died for all. Remember, when Paul wrote, he didn't write chapters and verses. He just wrote a letter and continued. Sometimes, you know, I thank God for the chapters and verses because I can at least find the place. Sometimes the Message Bible frustrates me because there's no chapters and verses. But on the other side, it's got chapters but no verses. On the other side, it blesses me because you can read the thing in one sitting. You can understand what he is trying to say. So when you read the Bible, just read it as one letter. You know, when you read Romans 5, 6, 7, 8, read it as just one thing and see the whole reasoning behind it between the chapters and the verses. Amen. So, Paul came and he wrote Romans five nineteen. He says, uh, Through the disobedience of one, many were made sinners, and so by the obedience of one, many are made righteous. And then he went on, he says, When he died, you died. And what death did he die? He died the death for our sins, and he died as a lawman born under the law. And when he stood up, he didn't stood up under Moses. It wasn't Moses that raised him from the dead. He was raised up by the glory of God. Now, the problem that I see today is people repent from their sins and then they want to stand up in newness of life by obeying commandments. The commandment that killed you cannot raise you. If you, if you take poison, if you take tamic, and you 
burn into somebody's food and it killed him. And there he is, a corpse. You can't give another spoon of tamik to think he's going to be raised from the dead. He's already dead. He's just going to be more dead than what he is. Well, he's going to be dead to the power of two. Now, listen, listen to me. You cannot be raised up in newness of life by Moses. It's impossible. You, it's, it's, it's an impossibility for God. It's an impossibility. For the purpose of the law was to show you your sin. Amen. And through that death, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. It says, verse 55, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. <clears throat> and the strength of sin is the law. So the sting of death is sin. The way a, a death enters into your life is through sin. And the strength of that sin is the law. So, if you repent from your sins... How do you think are you going to live by the strength of sin, which is the law? You cannot. There are, there's two people in this world. It's the law man and the grace man. The law man and the glory man. The law man is the one that says, by what I do, I will become. Now, let's go to verse, verse 6. Uh, uh, verse 5. Verse 5. Romans 6, 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, in other words, the old man, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, now listen to this, we will be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this. Now, you must realize there are certain things that you need to know as a New Testament believer in order to experience certain things. You need to know what Jesus has done for you. If you know Moses, if you know the law, if you know rules and regulations and commandments, don't think you're going to experience life. You're going to experience death. Now, this is what he says. Knowing this, that the old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. You are a servant of sin. People are servants of sin, not by their own willpower. People are servants of sin, or let me put it this way, the old man, the one that says, by what I do, I'm justified, is a servant of sin. Now, do you want to yield your members, do you want to yield yourself to the old man? For he's a servant of sin. Now, the new man is not a servant of sin. Paul says that knowing this, that the old man is crucified with him, by knowing that, we are experiencing the newness of life. And we are resurrected into the same image of Christ. And we've got the first fruits of that now. I can pray for the sick, they can be healed. We can speak this now, you can have the peace of God that Jesus has in heaven today. Hallelujah! We can have healing, we can have prosperity, we can have words of wisdom, knowledge, the mind of God experiencing heaven, live this whole life without even becoming sick once. That's what God has given us. We can have our youth renewed like that of the eagle. Hallelujah. Amen. When you're 80, you don't have to look 120. You can look 50. 
It can happen. God can do all those things. That's what we can have in this world. Right now. That's what happened to Sarah. I do believe that. That's what, I I mean, um, there are many people in the Old Testament that at the age of 80 um, and 120, they still had the strength of a young man. That's in the Old Testament. How much more in the New? So God is giving us those type of things, but it is not to be inherited by the old man. The old man cannot enter into those things. The old man cannot inherit those things. The old man is called a slave of sin and he is, I mean, out of that flows death. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Romans 6. Now listen, (laughs) you must understand the way I preach is the way I do Bible study. I read that thing then I go through it and I'm blessed by it and then I preach for myself and then I enjoy it and then I read through it again and I preach it again and I read through it and I preach it again then I'm blessed. Hallelujah! So that's what I'm doing today and I want this to really get deep into your mind. It says, For we have been planted together in the likeness of His death. We shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection knowing this. So you'll be in the likeness of His resurrection knowing this, that the old man is crucified with Him. Now let me put in other words. You'll be in the likeness of His resurrection knowing this, that through the law you cannot live. Knowing this, that you will not try to be pleasing to God by what you do. Okay, knowing this, that the old man... Now um, I just want to add this in here, we will get to this later on. That old man's also being called called being in the flesh. By your flesh, by what you do, thinking you qualify. Okay? And um, it, being in the flesh or being in the Spirit is, uh, you find yourself and your whole life and everything that flows out of your life from the foundation of flesh or human ability. Or when you are in the Spirit, you find your whole life and the foundation of your life and the pro- progress in your life from the basis of the finished work upon the cross and His resurrection. That's being in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Okay, because when you're in the Spirit, you are in the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That's being in the Spirit. And you can say, you know, there's such a confusion. We think that being in the Spirit is doing right things. Man, then the Pharisees were in the Spirit when they wanted to kill the woman that was called in adultery. They weren't in the Spirit, they were in the flesh. The Pharisees that lived so holy and tried to do everything right were 100% in the flesh. They weren't in the Spirit. When you are in the Spirit, it's when you are in the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead and you find all your life in that. Hallelujah. That's being in the Spirit, not being in the old man. The old man is a fleshly man. Okay, the new man is the one that's resurrected with Christ that says, I don't do good things to please God. I do good things because that's who I am, for I am good. I don't have righteous works to be pleasing to God. I've got righteous works because I am righteous, because I have been pleasing to God, because I have died, the lawman has died, so sin has got no more dominion over me. Hallelujah. Now, how wonderful it is to know that sin has got no more power over your conscience. 
That if you should do something wrong, that sin cannot dictate to you how you are supposed to feel. Man, that is awesome. That is so, so powerful. Just think of that. Verse 6, Knowing that the old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Hallelujah, man. That is so powerful. Ephesians 2.20 Now why? I think I wrote it down wrong here. Let me just see if it's Galatians. It's Galatians 2.20. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So what he says is, I've been crucified with Christ, but I live as a physical human being. I have not experienced physical death. Yet not I. Now listen to this. I have been crucified with Christ. Now let me explain this to you. Paul said, I, Paul, have been crucified with Christ. But yet I live, and it is not I that live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, in human flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ died in vain. Now, let me explain this to you. If I live today, if if, if you would look at my life um, 10, 12 years, 12, 15 years ago, you would see a holy person. I got saved. I was serving Moses. I was doing the right things. I was serving Moses in Jesus' name. Okay? Then I thought I was in the Spirit. I wasn't in the Spirit. I was in the flesh in Jesus' name. Just being deceived. And, but I would live a holy life. I would pray. I would do all those things. And, I would, and you would see this holy person. But this holy person was born out of willpower. Now Paul said, he says, that holy person died with Jesus. That one trying to do right, living right by willpower, having secret sin and all those type of things. He died with Jesus. Then he said, yet I also live now. You also see a holy person living now. But that person is not I who live. It's Christ living in me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. So, imagine you see yourself doing a good thing. You say, that I didn't do that. Christ that's in me did that. That's awesome. That's life changing, man. That gives you peace. Christ in me did that thing. So, we don't live anymore. The law person has got a show of holiness. But it's got no power against the flesh. What that means is, you will look holy, but you will continue in the death you are in. You will not have the peace of God. You will have the true righteousness of God. You will always stress. You will always be in fear and all those type of things. And when it comes to money, there's just such a good example in my life. I tell you, when I realized that I cannot even receive money from God, it brought such a peace to my heart. Man, set me free. When I realized that Jesus received money on my behalf when He was raised in the Spirit by the glory of God, seated at the right hand of the Father, He received prosperity forever and I am, the my law man has died. I'm not in the law anymore. 
the lawman, has died forevermore. Amen. I am in Christ. And as surely as what Jesus has received, it will just flow over to me. So I'm not going to try to sow and reap to get it. I'm not going to try to tithe to get the kingdom of God manifesting in my life. All I do is I rest my mind. That's the word for belief. I rest my mind in what He's done. And I'll have it all. Amen. And another thing that I want to just say about finance that can bless you. So many times we think that we must be so stinking rich driving Rolls Royce and having golden plates in our houses and all those type of things to be an example of what Jesus Christ has done for us. If that's the truth, then Paul was the worst example of a Christian you could ever find. Because he was poor. (laughs) That's the way it is. But let me tell you this. I'm not standing for poverty. I do believe that there's prosperity for us. But if I could come to you today, and I could tell you that Woolworths comes, and they give you... Now, for those of you not in South Africa, Woolworths is just a major food company with high quality food. If they come um, and, and they give you an 50 tons of food per day, plus an unlimited amount of money per day, what will you do? Will you stack all the food in your house? <laughs> Will you just pack your whole yard, backyard full of cans of food and chicken and this and that until there's a mountain, until everybody can now see how much food you have so they will become Christians? Nobody will do that. The first thing you think of is the poor. And if I must think for myself, I I will not even stack any of that food in my house. I'll keep it down there at the shed or wherever. Let it stay at Woolworths. Don't even bring it to me. Uh, whenever I've got a need, I will just go and take what I need for my house. Doesn't mean I'm poor. Doesn't mean that I don't have stuff. But I'll direct it directly towards the lost and towards those that are hungry and dying without food. Amen. And if I want, if, if people come to visit and I've got a lot of people coming, then I'll stack the cupboards full of food. But why will I have 10 chickens in my fridge every day is new? I remember when I stayed in, in Bredasdorp, we stayed right across the spa. And I said to my wife, I said, you know, I don't have to fill up our cupboards full with food because we've got fresh food just across the road. We've got a massive cupboard full of food. It's called spa. With, we carry about 3 million rands worth of stock. And they even keep it for us safe there. If it gets stolen, it's not my problem. It's their problem. They keep it for me. And then all I do is I take some paper called money and I exchange it for the food. And then I take that food and I put it in my house. Isn't that awesome? And it's fresh every day. Awesome. Hallelujah. And we can live that way out of the kingdom of God as well. If you are in need of a car, you can get a car. But you don't have to have 20 cars to prove something in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah, man. Just get out of that mentality because so many times we've got a, a thing in our heart that says we must get all these things so that we are pleasing to God and to make sure the kingdom of God is in our lives. We don't have to have stuff to uh, confirm the kingdom of God in our lives. With what we have is Jesus. And He's the confirmation for me. Hallelujah. If you want to know if I'm rich, look at Jesus. As He is, so am I. Hallelujah. If you want to know if I'm the healed, look at Jesus. 
for if you want to know if my lawman has died, of course, look at Jesus. And that's what we need to do. The Bible says we look into the glory of God and we are changed into the very same image. Don't look in some other place. Just look into the glory of God. Hallelujah. Now, I don't know what I, don't know what I wanted to say. Let's, uh, let's get to Romans again. Romans chapter 6. And we're just going to continue there. Listen to this. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead, or that's not under the law, is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For if he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he lives, he lives unto God. Listen to verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Now, let me explain this. You know, so many times we read, we read grace up to verse 11 and the last part, then we go into the law in the beginning of verse 12 saying, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, but that you should obey it and the lust thereof. Now listen, that verse 12 is powerful and I think we should end off with, with that, then we're going to go over to communion. It says, let not sin therefore. It says, reckon yourselves dead to sin through the law. Okay? Reckon yourselves dead to sin through the law, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Now, what's reckon? If you reckon, you go, that word there is to, to make a calculation. So, go and put all the things down and then you will see. Reckon. Think of yourself this way. Make your calculations accurately and you will find that if you are in Christ, you are dead unto sin because you are not trying to obey the law and its commandments. But, you are in the resurrection power of Christ. It says here, now it says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. How does sin reign in your mortal body? Chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse, verse 20. Moreover the law entered that the offense might abound. Where does that offense abound? In your mortal body. How? How does the offense abound? By the law. But where sin abounded, grace abound much more. Verse chapter 7, verse 9. It says, For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. Verse 8, But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law sin was dead. So, without the law, sin was dead. When the law came, sin started to reign in my mortal body. Now, we go to verse 12 in chapter 6. It says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. So, what he says is, Reckon yourselves dead to uh, uh, the law and alive to Christ and don't reckon yourself as alive to the law for then sin will reign in your mortal body. And then you should obey the lust thereof. Man, <laughs> can you believe that? The law is more deadly than what we think. Nevertheless, yield your members as instruments. I said, never, never, neither 
yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. He says, don't yield your member, your members, your physical body to unrighteousness. Now, what is unrighteousness? Righteousness, unrighteousness is not sins, people. Jesus saved us from our sins. He forgave our sins and He saves us from our sins. But He cleanses us from our unrighteousness. Unrighteousness is not believing in Jesus. For you were never righteous when you did right things. So, He is not trying to say that we should not yield our instruments to unrighteousness or or our, our lives to sin. He's saying to unrighteousness which is by the law. Don't yield yourself to unrighteousness by thinking that you are righteous by your works, for you are yielding yourself to unrighteousness and then unto sin. Okay? But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God, for sin shall not have dominion over you For you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin, because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. He repeats himself. Know you not, that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his slave you are. That's the Greek word. To whom you obey. Whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. Not obedience to the law. Obedience to the right doctrine. But God be thanked that you were servants of sin, but you have obeyed from your heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Man, hallelujah. This is so clear. And I just wrap it up this way. Don't yield yourself to the old man. Don't let the old man live. The way you let the old man live is by being ignorant of the cross of Jesus and saying, by what I do, I will become. That's it. Don't let the old man live. The old man has died. So if you want to say the old man stood up, don't say it because you've done something wrong. Man, (laughs) so many times people think they are in the new man, but it's just the old one living all the time. They just, in one area of their life, accepted Jesus for salvation one day into heaven. But in the rest of that life is so flooded with laws and rules and regulations, there's no life in it. Let me sum it up this way. Number one, reckon yourself as dead. What that means is, reckon that you cannot live through the law. And understand that you cannot be resurrected from the dead out of the works of the law. You can't, can't have a new life. If you've repented from your sins, don't say, well, and I found so many people, they've been sinning all their life, they get saved. Once they get saved, they repent from their sins and they repent unto obedience to Bible scriptures in the form of laws, rules and regulations. Man, that's double death now. Okay? Don't do that, but reckon yourself as alive unto God and you will be enslaved unto righteousness and good works. Man, we were enslaved unto sin. We were enslaved unto death. Enslaved means you cannot get free of it. You cannot get rid of it. It It's got a power over you. You cannot leave. You know, slaves could not leave. If you were a slave, you were in bondage forevermore until the day you die. Now, let me tell you this, and this is just the, the, the way Paul said it here. He says, when we are 
in grace. When we say, I'm not in the law, I am in the Spirit. The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead indwells me. And out of that I live God, or God lives in me. When you say that, you are enslaved unto righteousness and good works forevermore. You cannot get out of it. You cannot get rid of it. You're going to one day meet Jesus when He comes back that way. That's the way you are forevermore. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the good news. That's what God has given to you. Now, if you have never given um, thought of these things and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, I would like to pray for you right now. Maybe you are law saved and not Jesus saved. So, if that's you, I would like to pray for you right now. Just put your hand on your heart and I'm going to pray a prayer and then we're going to have the communion. I want you to pray these words, and I think everybody's listening to me, just pray these words together with those who might be praying for the first time. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for your life. Thank you that you died as a lawman and were resurrected as a grace man, a glory man. I believe that I died with you And I believe that I'm resurrected with you in newness of life. I receive the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. My sins are forgiven. I'm righteous. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So reckon yourself alive unto God. That's the good news of Jesus. Amen. Can you just bring the bread and the wine, please? When when it comes to communion... (coughs) Um, it's all about what we have just said. It's all about life in Jesus Christ. Life through His body. Life through... You can just take a thank you, Amen. Life through what He's done for us. Amen. It's not about what we have done. And, and when we take communion, so many times we think that if we take communion in an unworthy way, thinking that if we sin, then we are taking communion in an unworthy way. Now, you can go and read 1 Corinthians 11. What it actually says was, people came to the communion table and they drank themselves drunk. That was the church. Can you believe? The church in Corinth. They drank themselves drunk at the communion table. And they ate so much food, it was gluttony, man. And then there were the poor, and they had no wine to drink, and they had... Uh, 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 no food to eat. And they would give the leftovers to the poor. That's what church history tells us. That's what they did. Then Paul said, man, you are not discerning what this thing is all about. When, when the bread is broken, um, it, is, it, it signifies the body of Jesus Christ that was broken. And when you take this, you must become mindful of what Jesus has done. I thank God that... Jesus Christ said, let's do this as long as what we eat thereof. So, listen to what he was actually saying. He said, as long as what you eat thereof. So, when you take bread, you can take it and say, Lord, I am reminded of your body that is broken for me. And when we come together as a church and we eat this, this is not to meet your physical needs concerning food. This is not to quench your physical thirst. It's not what it's all about. And um, if people could understand that, I mean, I think they, they will not be hungry for God anymore because this meets the need we have for spiritual food and spiritual drink, that we will never be thirsty ever again. So when the body of the Lord Jesus Christ was broken, 
it was broken for us. In taking this in an unworthy manner is thinking and saying, well, um, you know, your body was broken for me, yes Lord, but I come here as a holy man because I've confessed all my sins and I live holy. And if I don't live holy, then I am not worthy of the body of Jesus. Now listen, for you to be worthy of the body of Christ, all that you needed to do was you needed to be born. That's it. Because Jesus died for sinners. Even the disciples weren't born again when they ate of the body of Jesus. Listen to me. They weren't even saved. They weren't saved. In, act, in John 20, 20, they only received the Holy Spirit when Jesus blew upon them. And we've got all these rules and laws and regulations saying a sinner cannot partake of the body of Christ. Now, how do you think is he ever going to get saved? <laughs> No, 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 a sinner is not supposed to take part of the blood of Jesus. Man, what a lie. If you, a sinner, if a sinner comes today and he says, I take your body and I eat this and this is a sign to me and this signifies your death that you died and I say you've died for me and when I eat this and this bread is taken up, up into my system, and come into my body, I say, as much as what I take part of this bread, and becomes part of my body, I am part of the death of Jesus. And when he died, that law man died forevermore. If a sin man comes with that understanding, and eats that, let me tell you something, he's saved. That is faith. That's believing. Discerning the body of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. So when his body was broken, it was broken for you and for me. So I want you in your houses, take some bread, break it right now. And um, as you break it, you just say these words, Lord, my old man has died with you. And when I see this, I see the law man that was broken. Hallelujah. And when the law man was broken, my law man was broken to pieces and died. Amen. And when I eat that, I partake in that death of Jesus Christ. And I also say that I'm part of the body of Jesus. And when you think of that, you also think of the body that was not just broken, but resurrected. Resurrected into newness of life. Amen. So that when you see this, you say, I've died with Christ. I was broken with Christ. The law man died, but he also had a new physical body that was raised from the dead by the Spirit. That means I live by the Spirit. Amen. Father, thank you for your body in Jesus Christ. Let's eat together. Thank you, Jesus. Just the way you are, just experience. The old man is dead. You know, sometimes when I meditate, I make a point to feel God. Man. Just feel every fiber of your being not under the law. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just feel your mind in the light of God and not under the law. And we are free. 
Oh, hallelujah. We are free in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in the same, he took uh, the cup and he said, this is the cup of the New Testament. Isn't that wonderful? It's the New Testament. So, we are not under the Old Covenant again. Here he comes with the whole thing. Jesus said, take the communion. And I thank God for this because churches are reminded of the body and the blood of Jesus, which is the good news message, every time they take communion. And I think that if, this, if it was not for this, it could have been that we would have been so law-bound that grace would have died out. Because people will not yield to that. But as we are thinking of the body, we are forced to think about what is done for us and His blood. The blood of Jesus was sinless. And when He died, that sinless blood, remember, He lived a sinless life. But when He was upon the cross, He became sin. And then all that blood that was in Him, now the Bible says the life of somebody is in His blood. You cannot eat an animal with its blood, which is the life thereof. So when Jesus died, when the lawman died, his blood, the life of the lawman, flowed out of him. Into the ground. Okay? That blood flowed into the ground. Finished forevermore. Hallelujah. And that blood is before the Father forevermore. That lawman, the fact that he died, that it flowed out of Jesus, and that blood is not in his veins anymore, is a testimony for us that we don't live by the lawman. We live by the grace. Jesus Christ, I believe in my heart that in his veins it's the glory of God flowing there. He had holes in his side as big that a man can put his hand in that in his side. Thomas could do that and he was not bleeding. Why? Listen, if you've got a wound that big, you will be bleeding. But Jesus was not bleeding, for I solemnly believe that he didn't have any blood in him. He had the glory of God in him. Hallelujah. And we are in Christ, and his glory flows in us. His glory is already in our veins as well and that power is in us as well and that Spirit of God that saved us, that's in us will also save our physical bodies into the glorious liberty of Jesus in His physical body. Amen. So when we take His blood, we know this is the blood of the New Testament. Take of this, drink of this, being mindful of what I've just told you about what He's done for you. Amen. Hallelujah. And just stay where you are. If you want to say something to God in gratitude, you can do that. Thanking Him for what He's done. Hallelujah. Father, I thank You for everybody that's just joined Web Church today. I thank You that You love them, You care for them, You bless them. It's all about Jesus, all about His grace. Thank You for that, my God. Thank You that You heal the sick. You Touch everybody that's watched this today. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to end off now. And I just want to remind you that we've got um, a cell group just after this on Skype. So if you have already been to the cell groups, just slot in. Uh, we will just put you on. Thank you for that. And we're going to have a nice chat. Pray for people. If you've got just specific needs in the cell group, we will definitely pray for that and just further discuss 
what I've been saying right now. Thank you and enjoy this song as it plays out and God bless you.